I'm Rachel Olstead, and this is the Dream Builder Society podcast. As a life coach, I help women just like you harness the power of your thoughts to take your good life and make it great. Join me each week here for inspiration, stories, and practical life coaching tools with real life application to start taking small steps towards creating the life of your dreams. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Dream Builder Society podcast. I am so excited today to welcome our next guest, Sarah Van Hoos, and she is actually a financial coach. And I'm excited to bring her to the podcast and to have her share with you guys today as we kind of open up just a, a really casual, but hopefully fun and insightful conversation all about one of my favorite topics and probably Sarah's favorite topic as well, money, because I think there's so much stigma and just like fear around just the idea of money. And so we are hoping to kind of break some of those stigmas and just talk about it and make it kind of a normal conversation. So welcome, Sarah. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. Um, I would love if you just start by telling us a little bit about you and what you do. Sure. I am a wife of one, uh, a mom to two. My husband and I and our two daughters live in Portland, Oregon, and I am a financial coach. So I help people make a plan for their money in the most simple terms, whether it's a small business or an individual or couples. Money can have a lot of emotions tied to it, but I always best with a plan. Like so many things in our life, right? It's nice to have a plan of attack. Same goes for your money. So I help people manage their money. Yeah. I love that. I think probably everyone needs a financial coach or someone to help them with their finances. Even if you feel like you have it all together, because there's always more to learn. Just like what I say with life and, and business coaching as well, like having someone in your, in your life, who's kind of a third party, who's not so emotionally attached to, you know, the circumstances and whatever that may be is so incredibly powerful. So tell us a little bit about how you got into financial coaching then, and then we'll dig into some of the good stuff. Yeah. I'll give you the elevator version, right? The, the longer version is quite the story. It started out on beachside in Mexico. My husband and I were vacationing off this little Island called Isla Mujeres. And we talked about retiring there and uh, getting, you know, getting on an airplane, headed home, you know, one, one bloody Mary too many, maybe, I don't know. I say to him, I was like, you know what? Like, why do we have to wait to retire, to do the things that we really want to do? Like, I don't, you know, I don't know that I want to work nine to five for the rest of my life. Like, let's pick up and bring our kids here and, you know, enjoy the community and the culture and just this, uh, what an incredible experience. And he told me to make a plan for that. And uh, we could talk later. Little did he know that I was like, for sure, going to make a plan for that. You know, I was like, he, he, he gave me the challenge. I was willing to kind of see it through. So on my little airplane napkin on, you know, flight home to PDX, I, I crafted my financial plan and said, Hey, here you go. Like, this is how it could work. And uh, he kind of laughed at me and said, well, it's going to need to be a little bit more of a plan than that. So let's, you know, let's talk more. So over the next few months, like I just really couldn't let it go. I was like, I was tired of being a slave to a corporate environment and having to be at work, what felt like from dawn to dusk while my kids were growing up before my eyes and not being able to experience as much time with them. And so I crafted a larger plan, right? I busted out the spreadsheet, uh, made a financial plan, 
ultimately my husband says, yeah, let, I need some logistics. Like what about travel? What about my work? Like what are the kids going to do for school? So I started a blog uh, to help kind of, you know, influence him to uh, like make sure that he knew that this was a good idea and other people were going to know about it too. So started a blog to kind of chronicle what the, that looked like a few months after that. He says, you know what? I appreciate your blogging efforts and the, you've taken me seriously, you know, about getting me a more robust plan, but when it comes down to it, I really don't feel comfortable being the only provider, you know, in our household. I know your financial plan says so, but I just, I feel a little bit, he's nervous about just being the only, the only provider. So he said, it would be really great if you were going to get a job too. So in that moment, like through a few tears and, you know, a little bit of a breakdown, I was like, well, I work, I work in healthcare in a brick building where I couldn't just pick up and go beachside with that kind of work. And over those next few days, I really had to do some soul searching about what it was that I really wanted to do that was outside of kind of where I've come from traditionally in healthcare leadership. And so I was able to kind of blend the things that I love, love leadership. I love guiding other people. I love personal finances. I had, you know, crafted a a napkin plan, you know, I could do that for others, you know, on something, you know, something a little bit more sophisticated. So that's when my journey to become a financial coach took place. That was back in 2019. I launched my business early in 2020 and I quit my healthcare job this past summer. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I love that story. I feel like I have done something similar, well, many similar things to napkin plans. And I feel like that is it always, we always need like a spark of that idea, right? And then from that spark, we can actually build something amazing, which you have done. And using the tools, it sounds like that you've you know, helped yourself, right? Create this plan and execute and now bringing that to other people. I love that so much. So before we like dig into some of the meteor stuff here, what would you say that you love the most about your work as a financial coach? As cheesy as it may sound, I'm going to say the transformation, being able to see people go from when, when I start with them, not, not all, but most are in some level of distress and worry about their finances and being able to help guide them through a plan and helping get them to their goal, whatever that looks like. Maybe that's, maybe it's just getting outside of living paycheck to paycheck or establishing an emergency fund or paying off some debt or starting to, you know, finally plan for retirement, being, being able to see that transformation. And I, I just, I get these, these little one-liners that they'll drop sometimes that's, I just had a client yesterday that said, for the first time, I'm actually seeing that I have options that like, and she's, you know, 59 years old. And this is the first time that she's seeing that she's got options for herself that that's just completely worth it. Just to give somebody that level of hope and trust in their own capabilities that they, that they can do it. Yeah, that's so good. I think that's just like overall in coaching in general, I feel the same way, just that seeing even those like micro transformations, like you said, like just finally seeing that you have options for your money. And I think I want to talk a little bit about the idea of this quote unquote financial freedom. Cause I think the term is thrown around a lot, right? A lot of people like say that they want financial freedom and that's like one of their biggest goals. And it's like, 
everyone has a different idea of what financial freedom is. I truly believe that financial freedom comes from your thoughts and the way that you're thinking about yourself and your money and all of that, right? But there's a logistical component to it as well. And so what, I mean, what, what do you feel like, especially for your clients, like when they come to you probably have that goal or similar goals, right? It's just like this freedom that people are just craving, right? Not wanting to be controlled by their money or a lack of money, right? And wanting to to do the things that they can. But it's almost like this idea of having options and that just sparked the idea is like, how free is that, right? That you have options with your money. It's maybe not necessarily having all the money in the world that gives you freedom because you could have that and still not be free, right? So like, what's your take on this whole concept of financial freedom that everyone's craving? Yeah, I think I think options is probably a keyword for it. And even more so than options with your money, I think it's options with your time. Uh, mm-hmm. It's yeah. having the ability to choose how you spend your time and not feel obligated or required to punch the clock. And that's that's how a lot of people feel is like, well, I have to go to work because I have to pay the bills. Well, if you have less bills, there's less work that is necessary, you know, or modification of work or it can just look differently. So having options, you know, I value my time. I value my time very highly and how I spend it. So even more so than money, but having some money or some level of security blanket or emergency fund or lack of debt allows me to be more flexible with my time. Yeah, that's so good, which is so funny because I think the term financial freedom, right? People are like, oh, the more money I have, the more free I'll be. And it's like, well, although there might be some truth to that, I think more often people want what you, exactly what you said, the time freedom, which sometimes money can buy time, right? Which is fantastic. But sometimes it's just like reallocating things to make more time because we believe that it's possible, right? Which is so good. So let's just talk about money. Let's dig in. Like what, what do you find? Maybe I'll just be candid. Like before you got into financial planning and financial coaching, like were there times in your life where you just like were scared about money and just like even the topic of money, like freaked you out? Because I think it's, I definitely have for sure. And I want to be relatable, you know, to my audience too, but have have there been experiences in your life where like money has been a source of like fear for you? I don't know that fear is, is maybe yeah. the best thing that I have for it. Everybody has definitely has different kind of core yeah. reactions to it. I did have, I felt a lot of pressure when we really started our own financial journey. We had a total of when I counted up and I hadn't counted it up before. So for the first time I really counted up what our total debt balances were and they totaled $700,000. And that was a uh, like a handful of mortgages, a couple of student loans, a couple of car payments, you know, a couple of credit cards. I, I mean, we had just a little eclectic mix of all of it, but that total dollar amount, I was like, well, it's no wonder I'm a little bit stressed out. You know, like if something goes awry, somebody doesn't pay a rent payment. If, you know, one of us loses a job for whatever reason, like we have a little bit of money in the bank, but it is not going to last long. At that time we had, we moved into the house that we're living in now 
and we had two other rental properties that we had moved uh, to and from based off of my my work in the past. And it was a poor market, so we couldn't sell them. So we were kind of stuck with them. And my kids were young. My oldest was three. My youngest was still crawling. And I was like, I can't, we can't live like this. Mm-hmm. This is this is just not, not good for us. It's not healthy. I feel obviously very obligated to be working because we have to, right? We need the salary. I didn't have the I didn't have the option to stay home with my kids. I love my kids very much. I didn't necessarily need to stay home with them at that at that age, <laughs> but uh, I did also it wasn't really a reality for me either. I didn't allow that to even be kind of cross my mind. So when we had that total dollar amount pressure that I felt, I was like, okay, we have to do something different. So in that time, we were introduced to Dave Ramsey's money management philosophy, and I it made sense to me. It was it's pretty basic. It's simple. It's not too complicated, and I don't think money has to be complicated. Mm-hmm. It can really be tangible and and even like dare I say fun to deal with mm-hmm. at, at some point. So we got on track with a, a good solid budget. We sold two of our homes. We worked hard to pay off our student loans, our car payments. And and in that moment, we had more flexibility automatically because we had so much less going out to different payments per month. So that was the beginning of sort of that taste of freedom that says, oh gosh, like um, this, this can be manageable. We do, we have goal. We can do something different. You know, we want a vacation regularly without putting it on a credit card. We can absolutely do that. So I started kind of drilling down into what, what our goals were and, and really building wealth at that point, which is, you know, less sexy sometimes than in the moment, mm-hmm. you know, buying something that you want, um, but truly helps set us up for the future. Yeah. That's so good. And I love that you brought up the idea of like pressure because I think that's so common, right? For so many people just dealing with money, talking about money. And I think like a lot of the pressure too comes from avoiding even like looking at the money and avoiding even creating a budget, avoiding even talking about it. Like it doesn't exist because that means that suddenly like it won't right? Like it won't matter if we don't look at it, like it's not there kind of thing. And so um, that's so incredible that you sat down and actually looked at the amount of, um, you know, debt that you had and not that this podcast is all about debt, but I think that's a major concern for so many people is just the amount of debt and student loans and whatever other kind of debt that they have. And so what, do you see a lot of of clients and just a lot of people in general that have a lot of pressure around debt or do you find that some of the financial pressure comes from like stems from other areas aside from debt? Yeah, I think that part of it is debt is debt pressure certainly. You know, it takes it's a little bit of growing up to do and a little bit of maturing to get to that point that you're ready to kind of reconcile your bank account or reconcile with your past, right. On some level. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are folks that are spend a great deal of time years, several years paying, paying for something that they can't even remember what it was, you know, paying off a credit card that you don't even know that what tangible item you still possess that is attributed to that. So it's a little painful, you know, moving from that, moving from that, um, that kind of state of being, yeah, that's a lot. It's a lot of it is kind of ready to, to grow up for lack of a better word, ready to face it, realizing that we're not getting any younger and planning for your future is, is part of the equation and needs to, needs to start happening. It's full on adulting that needs to happen and knowing that you need to make some room so you can uh, plan for retirement and plan for the future. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. And even with so many of the women that I work with as a life and business coach too, like they oftentimes have no idea like what's coming in, what's going out. It's just like, oh, it's money and it's overwhelming and it's scary because maybe there was never like a topic that was okay to talk about. Right. And I think that especially with women, it's even more so that way for whatever reason, there's just a lot of generational um, reasons for that, I think. But do you find, I, I know that you work with women, but you also work with families, small businesses. Do you find that there's a little bit more of like a fear mentality or just kind of this avoidance mentality around money with women more than men? Or what's, what do you, typically see? Yeah, I see, I see a lot more women managing the finances than I do men in a couple relationship. I feel like as women, I I mean, I I am one, right. I have a special heart for for women, but I feel like we're handling so many things, right. We're all, there's often just this burden of household management, kid management on some level, you know, more, more than your other partner and financial management as well. So, and often carrying a job, you know, a role as well. So there's so many things, right. To juggle. Yeah. So I feel like it, it definitely falls to the females and we're just, we're not talking about it around coffee with our girlfriends. We're not, we're not talking about it over a glass of wine. We're sometimes talking about what we spent our money on, mm-hmm. right. Or showing off what we spent our money on, but we're not having that candid and frank conversation about, you know, this, this is actually stressing me out. And, and what, what do you do? Or like, we're not asking for tips around money, the way that we're asking for tips, even around relationships or parenting, And that's something that we need to start breaking. We just need to start having some conversations with our girlfriends. Yeah, that's so good. And that's so true. It's like, I want everyone listening right now to think about the last time that like someone actually asked you something about money or you asked someone else something about money in a way that like, you're not just looking to compare, right? But you're looking to actually serve yourself and your family better. Like it's not happening. You're right. Those conversations aren't happening. Like, why do you think that is? I think it's, there's huge stigma, right? Around the, like you said, that's comparison, you know, component, you know, not feeling like enough, right? You don't making sure that our salary is matching that of our peers. We're not giving ourselves credit for just, uh, just contributing or, or coming to the table as we are and just seeing ourselves just as Frank, just human beings. Like, okay, so you do that job and you make that money. Great. Like we just need to stop any judgment or fear of judgment mm-hmm. and, and really just kind of get, get with some people that you can trust is be like, okay, what do you do? This is kind of stressing me out. Um, do you have any, do you have any tips? Like what, what can we do? What can I tell you? Right. This is what I've learned so far. So just, start, we just start having those conversations. Yeah, absolutely. Do you find that the, the longer you do this work and the more confident you become in your own money journey and financial journey that you've become more confident just to have those candid conversations with people in your life? Oh, absolutely. Right. When you start a blog, when you have a social media account talking about finances, like everything's on the table. Yeah. So, but also you know, I don't, there's nothing for me to hide as I I put out my goals out there to my audience on a regular basis. I meet some of them. I don't meet some of them. And I'm going to have a conversation about that too. Right. We're going to, we're going to shoot for the moon and we we hit the stars, right. All's well in the world. Got to normalize chasing goals. Also have to normalize when we don't meet our goals as well. 
Yeah, that's so true. And I think that there's, especially, and I love that you brought up social media and just like the honesty and transparency that you show up there as. And I think that's like, should be the goal for so many people, but it's like, again, another place, another scenario, whether it's at, you know, you know, a a dinner date with friends or whatever you're doing, like just another place where we kind of put on this facade and maybe pretend that we're experiencing something that we're not or vice versa. And and just sharing that, not necessarily airing our dirty laundry, right? But normalizing all of these things, including that conversation about money, because what do you feel like digging into that a little bit? Like by not normalizing it, by not talking about it, by not like asking for help when we need help or sharing advice when we have good advice to share. Like maybe women are listening and they're like, yeah, I've got my finances like under control, but how can I help other people? Right. Kind of thing by not doing these things. Like what are we losing out on? Like what are the risks of, of just staying silent and continuing to allow money to be this like scary stigma in society? We lose out on some level of authentic relationship. And just being genuine, authentic individuals. And there's this contentment component that we'll never internally, I think, be able to reach if we're constantly, you know, getting fed or seeing, right, somebody's highlight reel, you know, on social media. We will challenge ourselves with being content if you only see somebody showing up with a nicely procured, you know, kitchen table or when their kids are always clean and their hair is always fixed. Like that's not real life. Not uh, my life. <laughs> no, definitely not. And same goes with messy. Like, you know, uh, with finances, like it's going to get messy. Sometimes we're going to make mistakes. Everybody's going to make mistakes with their money. Nobody's doing it perfectly, but being able to normalize that just makes it, it takes the pressure off of having to be somebody that you're not, or do something that you're not, or try to attempt to show up, you know, in, in some other different way. I think being able to have those genuine conversations and saying that, you know what, I screw up sometimes I have screwed up. I had a whole lot of debt. I figured out how to get out of it. I can help you too. Just makes it's normal because I know that I know that the nicely procured um, social media feed is not normal either. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we run the risk of just like creating more fear for ourselves and creating more pressure, right? Of like, I have this problem. I'm stressed out with this. Like, you know, no one understands or is anyone else going through this or how do I, right? And just like the fear and the judgment, I think that's piled on top of that of like, I don't know how to handle my own finances, right? I think can, and we we see and we hear every day that, financial struggles and money problems are really the number one. Well, one of the biggest causes of divorce and, you know, lots of other really unfortunate situations. And so it's like, I think we owe it to ourselves and we owe it to our friends and family and and people around us to start having these conversations more to not only normalize it, but to also be able to learn from each other. Cause like you said, it's so interesting. Like I would never hesitate to call a friend, right. And ask about a parenting advice or like, tell me, you know, even, even in business, right. And in marriage and in other areas of our lives, but some, for some reason, money is like, let's not go there. And we're saying today, like, let's go there. Let's talk about it. Let's bring it up at the table and, you know, not go around and tell everyone how much money you made today, but just like have the conversations that are going to be helpful for everyone. So there's kind of this like 
I don't want to call it a school of thought because it's not necessarily a formal school of thought, but it's really this just idea of like, okay, you want more money. You need to one, either spend less or two, make more, right? And it's like this idea where we have to choose. What's your thought on that? Like what if people come to you and they're like, okay, I don't know even where to start, right? What's your thought on just that idea um, about like spending less versus making more? I think that, I mean, you've, you've got it like one of two options or both, right. Are things that should be considered the idea, right. Or or the goal that I have my clients, we're, we're trying to build some margin into their budget, into their, into their life. Really. We're talking about time margin. Also Mm -hmm. talk about margin with your money, a little bit more breathing room. So you always start by becoming aware. You got to be aware of what's going out, what's coming in, in order to make a plan around it. So first establishing that, just some general awareness, and then it's writing it down and deciding, okay, do, do you want to spend less? Not everybody does. You know, some people are already have a really kind of tight spending um, structure, but they, they may genuinely need to increase their income in order to cover their expenses and not be strapped and living paycheck to paycheck. So oftentimes though, it's a combination of both. It's both like, let's figure out how to increase your income and uh, also decrease your expenses so that you can have the most margin that we can get you um, so that you can get to your goal, at least that initial goal. And then we, you know, we take a look at it from there. Okay. We're at first goal. Now, where do you want to be? You want to stop hustling so hard, you know, and working overtime, uh, then let's figure out, okay, is spending still in check? Like what's next? And just kind of continually reevaluate as you, as you move forward. Yeah. I love that approach because I think so often in life, and I see this a lot with my clients too. It's like, okay, I, I'm very overwhelmed. I'm very stressed with this specific situation. Like, I just want to fix it. Like, let's just fix it. Let's just get it taken care of kind of thing. And I love that approach of like, let's focus on one goal at a time and then reassess and evaluate once we're like nearing that goal or we've hit that goal. And these simple shifts, these simple steps that will in the long term, right, make a massive difference instead of trying to like make more and spend less and, you know, create this like really this really like specific budget and start doing, you know, making a bunch of investments. And it's like, I think that's what scares a lot of people from even like starting the process. Cause they're like, Oh my gosh, where do I even start? This that's is too heavy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So like, what would you say? Like, let's say there's someone listening right now that is like, what do I do? Like, I'm feeling very overwhelmed. There's just a lot going on. I don't have, maybe they don't even have retirement or maybe they pulled out retirement to pay for something else or all these different things that may be going on. Like, what would you suggest as like, if someone is really overwhelmed with their finances, like what's the first step that you oftentimes Uh, get it out of your head and onto paper? That could be, you could do a spreadsheet, you can do a napkin, you can do a piece of paper, whatever works best for you, but get, get all of that stuff out. Like write down what's stressing you out, write down what you're, what you're bringing in each month, write down what's going out and start, start to organize it a little bit. Do you have enough coming in to cover your goings out? Start with that approach. And if you don't, where can you make some edits? And you know what? I don't want to take away anybody's favorite things. But it may be realistic for you to pause on some things for a period of time in order for you to make sure that what you have incoming is matching what you have outgoing. 
um, as I'm a Ramsey certified, uh, financial coach. So I definitely follow the baby step approach. And that includes that baby step one, having a thousand dollars in a starter emergency fund. And that's so that you can cover your own emergencies when the tire blows out, you know, when the dog needs to go to the vet urgently, like whatever that emergency looks like to you, instead of having to reach for your credit card and, and just feel terrible about it because you know, you're going to be paying it off for the next, you know, 12 months. Um, I want you to be able to cover your own emergency and have the, what really comes out of that is really just the sense of like self-worth, you know, like I can cover Mm -hmm. my own emergencies. I can handle this. Like I've got this. Once you have that thousand dollar emergency fund moving forward to debt payoff, I want you to get rid of your debt as fast as possible so that you can move on to more fun things in life. There's a lot more that happens after debt payoff. That's much more enjoyable. So pay for your past, get, get that taken care of, be as aggressive as, as you can maintain, you know, in a, like a sane way. I beans and rice is not something that I recommend. I don't think it's sustainable, Uh, (laughs) figure out like what that looks like to you uh, to be intense with your debt payoff. Then you want to move towards having a fully funded emergency fund, which really feels like a really nice security blanket that you wrap around yourself. It's three to six months of savings of of your expenses tucked away into a savings account. And it really varies between couples and individuals about where they fall on that three to six month sort of continuum. So find that dollar amount for yourself, get that put away. And then you're going to move forward to investing, saving for kids college if you want to. You're going to live a little bit more. You're going to take the vacation that you want. You're going to plan for different goals that you have for yourself. And then you're going to start paying off your house. And and then again, like lots, lots more opportunities sort of open up to you when you get to that level. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I think even just like hearing you share some of those steps that you recommend even following like the, the Dave Ramsey's plan does feel, uh, may, may feel, I should say like somewhat overwhelming, like, Oh, I have a long ways to go. Right. If someone's listening and they do have a lot of debt still. Right. But like, what would you say to someone who is, um, feeling like, Oh, that it seems like easy for other people, right? Like, Oh, maybe Sarah did it or Rachel did it. Like it was fantastic when we paid off the rest of our, our debt, but like, what would you say to someone like that who's feeling really overwhelmed wants to do it, but they're like, oh my gosh, this doesn't even like feel possible right now, looking yeah. at the numbers. Right. I think one step in front of the other, you know, just taking one step forward is going to give you more control. It's going to give you more information. And and you're going to be able to see, okay, what is what does my timeline look like? Is it two years? Is it 12 years? Like what are we looking at? And what are my options? You know, when you get to those kinds of, you know, big numbers, right. We're talking about increasing income, right. What, what can we do? What does, and what do the next few years look like, you know, for you, what can you do? Are you in the right field for yourself? You know, is there other job opportunity that's going to be able to provide you better income in order to help you get to your goals faster? You just have to get started. You know, you just have to get started. Yeah. Just get started. You guys heard her. <laughs> you heard Sarah just get started. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this actually, I see this happening and and maybe you can speak to this as well, but I see this happening so often with women in their businesses as well. When they, they have this idea that they want to make more money, they want to contribute more, they want to have more fulfillment and purpose in their life outside of motherhood and all these other things, right? So they start their business, their things are going okay, right? And then they start to make some money and then they kind of like freeze, right? And they're like, 
this is like, because they're making money maybe on their own for the first time versus being an employee, right? They start getting into almost this like fight or flight stage, right? And and this kind of primitive reaction, right? That their brain's offering them of like this kind of hoarding type of a state, right? Where it's like, I'm scared that more money is not going to come in versus being at a tradition nine to five, right? Like the money is just there if you show up and do your work for the most part, right? right? And so I think there's extra fear and extra pressure when especially a lot of women have their own businesses and are also trying to kind of create that financial freedom without feeling like they have that that security of the nine to five, right? So what advice would you give them? And like, how would you approach that scenario? Because I coach my clients all the time on money and finances and all of that. But I'm curious from your perspective, kind of how you approach that. I think it's a reframe. Again, it can be scary to say, you know, you are in charge of your income. You are in charge of your finances instead of right. Waiting for the direct deposit, you know, every other Friday, but also you are in charge of your income. Mm -hmm. You know, you also have the ability to blow it out of the water, you know, and not be stuck to this nine to five salary. You can you can 10 X your salary if you want to, like when you make that shift to, instead of it's like, you know, it's scarcity mindset to abundance Mm -hmm. mindset. You know, I have the ability, especially in this virtual space, uh, you know, depending on what your role is and, and, um, and what your, what your listeners are doing, you have the ability to make as much or as little as you want to. And you need, you got to have a plan. You need to have a strategy, right. In order to go out and get that. But when you can shift from letting go of what somebody else was providing you, and I totally get that being 20 employed for 20 years, Mm -hmm. um, it was very steady. It was very stable. There was health insurance and retirement perks, all, all the things, but actually I can, I can do more than that on my own, right. Given the right plan and the right attitude, right. The right determination. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just the, the, again, like kind of reiterating the idea of having a plan. Like, I think so many people forget that like the plan can be like step one, like literally creating a plan for anything you're doing. Like you said, like on the napkin, right in the airplane, like that wasn't a formal, like write up, right. That you sat down and find a financial advisor. Like that was just you with your brain, getting your ideas out on paper. And that's the first step to bringing it to life. And I think that that's what I would encourage really anyone listening um, to do. If you're, if you're feeling stuck around your money in your business or in your life or in your marriage and, and how you do with money, just like sit down and like you said, Sarah, like get it out on paper and that's your first like baby plan, right? And then we can increase the speed or the trajectory or whatever of that plan based on kind of what you want and what your goals are. Because the other thing with money that I think um, a lot of times, especially women don't even realize they're doing is they have these goals based on other people's goals, right? They have these dreams based on what other people are doing or what they should be doing with their money or what their parents did or didn't do or what, you know, their friends are doing or not doing or spending money on. Right. 
And it's like, at the end of the day, it's your life, right? Like you said, it's your money. You're in control of your money and your life. Like you want to go on more vacations. Fantastic. Right. You want to be an employee rather than a business owner or like an entrepreneur. Fantastic. Right. Do that. And really just like getting back that empowered feeling for yourself and translating that into all areas of your life, including your financial situation. Right. Yeah. I love that. So as we kind of like wrap up here, what, what would you say are like the, aside from like having the plan, like, is there anything else that you feel like is really, really helpful? Like even um, from the the get-go all the way to, if you're, you know, three to four steps into your financial plan and you're starting to build some wealth and starting to make some investments, like, do you feel like there's any like overarching advice or kind of like rules of thumb that you would recommend to people on their financial journey, regardless of where they are? Stay in your lane. Mm, yeah. You know, uh, practice contentment. And, you know, my husband and I were taking a walk uh, yesterday evening and went down this uh, sidewalk and we just, it's just after Labor Day weekend, right? As we're recording this and people have got their, you know, tent trailers out and RVs. And we walked by this just beast of a, a fifth wheel. Like it was so long. And uh, my husband uh, says, you know, he says, show me, show me that you're in debt without showing me that you're in debt. You know, that like a funny little saying, yeah, was like, yeah, that was probably, that's a significant, you know, chunk of change, whatever that like fifth bill was before I started my financial journey, I would have been like, oh gosh, look at those people. Like they got this giant, like fifth wheel, like good for them. But now I'm like, oh gosh. I hope they're not stressed out. You know, like I've just, you know, my, I've reframed a little bit to be like, ah, you know, odds are right. That that's probably a giant payment each month versus a giant blessing. And mm-hmm. you just have to stop comparing and just mind your business, right. On some level, share the things that are helpful, but your journey is your journey and you need to take control. Like you said, like your dreams, your goals, you make it happen. Stop looking at what everybody else has or doesn't have and and do what you need to do. Yeah, that's so good. One other piece that I just wanted to share as we kind of wrap up is, is this idea. And I've been reading, I mean, I am an avid reader, both fiction and nonfiction, but I was reading the other day and I think it was in, I don't want to misquote it, but I think it was in the book, Essentialism. Oh my gosh. Now I can't remember the author, Greg something. I'll have to look that up and we'll put it in the show notes um, to give credit where credit's due. But he's talking about like one of the, um, and this is so, so true in all areas of our life, but I think especially with finances is like to track our progress. And I wanted to like really share that and just um, bring that to the attention of, of everyone is with anything, right? With weight loss, with business, with, you know, your parenting, with anything that you're doing, right? If you're like training to run a 5k or a marathon, like we literally have to train our brains, right? To start recognizing the the progress that we've made. Otherwise it'll stop our momentum because we feel like we're not there yet. Right. So instead of like seeing, you know, this $50,000 that's sitting there as like student loan debt or whatever, instead of like being angry that we haven't been able to pay it off all in one lump sum, like progress, if you're paying a hundred dollars a week or 
maybe it's, maybe you can only afford to, to pay, you know, an extra $25 a week, or maybe it's $500 a week, whatever that is like tracking that progress and seeing how far you've come, I think is such a beautiful and like understated way to build momentum, especially in our financial journey. Cause you can see those numbers dwindling and you can see your income increasing and just like always being, like you said, Sarah, like really aware of what's coming in and what's going out, not just to start with, but along the journey as well. So that you can see, because even a lot of times my clients will come to me and they'll be like frustrated, like, oh, I, I'm not where I want to be. I want to make more money. Right. And I'm like, how much money have you made in the last 12 months? And they have no idea. Right. Or how much money have you made year to date? And they have no idea. And so they're not tracking their progress and so it's really easy to like forget all of the amazing things that we've done. And when it comes to our money, like that, that's so important. Would you agree? Totally. I think pausing to celebrate, look back at your accomplishments and, and it, whether it's, you know, drop in the bucket or, you know, a, a whole bucket full, you know, being able to look back and see your progress. Even if you're, you just started a budget, even if you just started to become more aware, even mm-hmm. if you decided to skip, you know, lunch out, you know, for a week, whatever it is, like give yourself a little credit, celebrate and continue to move forward. Yeah. I love that. And just a random recommendation for everyone listening that I really, really love establishing some sort of like routine too on a weekly basis for like this, like money time, I call it my CEO time and it's every Friday morning. And I spend that time just a little bit. It's not a lot. I spend that time working on and like revisiting our family's budget, updating all of that and our finances, just taking a look at everything. And then also in my business as well. And I encourage my clients to do this. And I encourage everyone listening to do this just to build that practice. Even if you're not like revamping everything and and like doing a whole lot during that time, just to have that time of like set aside that like, yeah, I value myself. I value my money. I'm a good steward of my money. And so like, I'm going to put this into practice every week and take just a little bit of time to get aware and to, and to really just like, yeah, have that conversation. Maybe you invite your spouse on board. Maybe it's just a you thing. If money's scary to you, or if you feel overwhelmed, like those baby steps and like having that time set aside. So you're not doing it at like 10 PM when the kids go to bed and you're like, yeah, I don't want to like look at my budget right now. Right. And so having that time, maybe it's like finding a time in your week that, you know, you're going to have the mental energy to spend there and making it fun, right? Like making it an enjoyable experience instead of grumbling that you like have to deal with your money, right? It's like, let's celebrate the fact that we get to, right? So I just want to share that because I think it's really helpful and it's helped so many of my clients and even myself when I started implementing that practice, because it's like just trains our brain, another really productive habit that helps our future self and our future life as well. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Sarah, this has been such a great conversation. I feel like we covered so much here. Is there anything else that you want to share with my audience today? No, I think I would just reiterate, like get started little steps at a time. It's all it takes. Awesome. So Sarah, if we want to get in touch, if we want to follow along with your journey, with your business or get help from you and work with you, where can we find you? Yeah. The best place to find me is on Instagram at journey to influence. 
over there on the regular, try to make finances a little bit more fun, giving some money tips regularly and in a little bit of real and raw life behind the scenes too. Love it. Awesome. Okay. We will link all of that up in the show notes as well. If you guys want to follow along and, and go chat with Sarah or at least just follow her on Instagram for all of her, her tips and fun, real life, um, real lifeness. I'm going to call it (laughs) awesome. Thank you so much, Sarah, for coming on today. It was such a fun time chatting. Thank you, Rachel. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Dream Builder Society podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love if you'd head over to iTunes or Apple Podcasts and leave a review so we can continue to get this content into the hands of other incredible women just like you. If you're interested in learning more about the work I do and what coaching could look like for you, head over to rachelolstead.com and book your free clarity call so we can explore how coaching can help you create your own dream life too. 